All right, so um, now I figured there's maybe three, maybe f maybe four more parts uh, that we want to talk about. Mm. Yeah, maybe I'll start with uh, alternative versions of the Gemara. So this is a, it's a very important point to understand. It's, it's a deep Hashkafic point to understand. Um, I still remember I was in a, I was a, a bakr, a yeshiva, and a, a person came from, from like a um, modern, Orthodox type of background, very knowledgeable person, knew lots and lots of Torah, um, and he gave a gave a shear and you know, sorted everything uh, on its shelves, and uh, said, "Oh, and uh, look, we have two uh, girsos, two versions of the Gemara. This one had this version, this one had this version, and that's why all this came out like this, and that's why all this came out like that. So we have." This school over here saying this, this school over here saying that, and it's all because they had one word different or whatever it is uh, in the Gemara. And that was the end of the year. And I left the year feeling so terribly unsatisfied. It's like, wait, so you're telling me that all this discussion, all this thought, all these sfarim that were written is all because of. You know, just what version in the Gemara you have, and you know, I guess at some point that you know that mistake snuck in, and like you know, if we only knew which which um, which word was the correct word, then you know, you could have saved all this uh, all this pain and suffering, right? So, <laughs> so. Um, so, to a certain extent, we're going to need to do a little bit of a dive into, this is, this is like classic Hanukkah Torah, right? So, write down Hanukkah over here, right? And that is, why is this Hanukkah Torah? Anyone know? It's kind of, you know? The end of prophecy and Torah becomes ours, and we... We're sort of in control and everything is dark and confusing. So that's very good. It's a lot of, but you're missing the key point. Two different perspectives. The key point is that the first machloikis in Chazal happened under the Yivonim. That's why the Yivonim are called Choshek, darkness, right? In the Rishlakish, darkness, the first posik in the well, uh, second pasuk in uh, in the Chubash, the Haritzai said, "Tohu v'vohu v'choshek alpnet ahom." Tohu zu bavel, vohu zu parasu madai, choshek zu yavan. She chishu enem shel Yisrael b'gzeros. They darken their eyes with a decrease. And the Mefarshim all point out that Machlekes in oral Torah began under the Yivonim and that was because they with their with their decrees etc caused a a breakdown in the Masorah there was a there were things that were forgotten uh, and therefore Machlekes became possible so you know back to our Girsa thing right so ah if only we had the right Girsa right then then uh, there were one word uh, then uh, we would have not had these issues and uh, the gist of the Hanukkah Torah is that it's as a result of some of this obscuring that all these new perspectives, new uh, ways, we're not altering the Torah Shebek Sav. Torah Shebek Sav is unchanged. And, like the Rambam writes, any Mesorah, any direct Mesorah from Moshe Rabbeinu, Halakha, Moshe Misinai, those also transmitted. That's like the raw data that we need, right? The rest of it is the processing, which is left up, left up, Hashem left, up to the Jewish mind, not the Jewish mind that 
just walked into the base midrash yesterday, or even a few years ago, but the Jewish mind that is dedicated itself entirely, completely, wholeheartedly to understanding the Torah and serving Hashem, then the way that the Torah filters through that mind is legitimate. Okay? And that's where we get into, again, take multiple shurim just on this topic of what it means that Elu Elu Divil Kim Chaim, that um, this and that are both the words of the living God, means uh, that in the Machlaikas, we have two opposites, uh, two, two opposite opinions about something. Is this permissible? Is this forbidden? Is this muktzah? Is this not muktzah? Right? And yet they're both true. Why? Well, if I ask Charlie, tell me, how wide is this box of tissues that I'm holding right now? What would you say, approximately? Okay, I, honestly, I would have said three and a half, but okay, we're not going to be sticklers. Okay, um, now, Geffen, how wide is this box of tissues? Whoa, that's a big spread, right? What's going on? Okay, it's two different definitions. They have two different perspectives. They have two different perspectives. No, no, they have a different. They know, they agree on what a width is. But anyway, yes. So, so, so the point is that depending on the perspective, right? You can uh, a person looking. Uh, you know, you can have two professionals. One is a, I don't know, medical professional. Another one is an, econo- an economist. They're looking at the same thing. One is talking about the financial description of the situation. The other one's talking about the health benefits of the situation, right? They're describing the same situation. One saying it's terrible, and the other saying it's great, right? Because they're t- coming at it from two different perspectives, right? So... Did I ask um, why the God is living? I think because of this point. Meaning evolving? Not evolving, but... Um, that it is the life I mean we all know Hashem is living we don't need to be told that Hashem exists but living means that the Torah is alive quote unquote through the lives of those that give it life that give it their own life meaning it is through the through Klausel that the Torah the, the black ink on white paper comes alive okay so um, so the point is as a result of this initial uh, darkening actually the Torah spread out became much bigger like uh, uh, Kepatish and Nefotit Sela, right? Like a uh, a hammer that that uh, splinters a rock, right? So it just spreads in all directions. So all these new facets, all these sparks flying off, all these new dimensions are being brought out. Now in the halacha, we'll go with one of these dimensions, and that's the prime dimension, the the main dimension, right? The one that makes the most sense to the most chachamim. But the other ones are all still legitimate ways of looking at this. So does this imply that the expectations for us depend on the information we have? So like, let's say there's a halacha that got lost. No one knows of it, therefore we're not held to the standard of observing it. Wait a minute, I mean... It's, uh, again, the, the, the raw information is in the Torah. The question is the interpretation. How do you interpret it? And, uh, and if the Sanhedrin, um, you know, rules a certain way, then that's the halacha. So there's no possible misinterpretation? Is there a possibility for a mistake? There's a concept of a mistake. There's, there's a carbon the reserve for if the Sanhedrin makes a mistake. But uh, that's, that's, not, that's not the topic right now. 
Okay, so. Rosh Kol's example with the Girsa, that's oh, also to understand. Hold on. Oh, so my example. That's our, that's our topic of discussion. Right? Okay. Why do we care about the different perspectives? Because they, they uh, enrich your understanding of the of the truth of the situation. You wouldn't have the understanding without the different perspectives. Enrichful enrichment. Uh, That's right, because each one each one brings out this this perspective. And that, if if we all knew what frame to look at, or this is the main frame. This is how Hill looked at this frame, right? Or this is how Shimon uh, Tzadik looked. So we never take that other perspective. So we never get that three uh, D dimension with all the with all the facets. This brings out each each of the opinions brings out a different aspect, and all those together are the truth. So the truth becomes much more complex, much more much more uh, multifaceted than just a, like a very monolithic. Right? I was just thinking of like, okay, this is, this is the correct answer. Great, I feel satisfied. That's that's a, a lower level satisfaction than all the, the like you're saying. Because remember, at the end of the day, we're not out to simply know what do I do. That's if all you want to know is what do I do, then yeah, then there's no there's no value to the extra complexity because at the end of the day, you're anyway gonna have to collapse it and and Paskin like only one of those facets. But really what we're trying to do when we learn Torah is we're trying to understand the will of Hashem. Mm-hmm. Right? We're trying to see the world through the proper lens. So if I can see that this thing is, maybe it's not a malacha, but it's a chachma, and maybe also there's a certain level of lack of rest if I do it or whatever on Shabbos, right? Whether it be, you know, or, or, or whatever, right? Sasuki uh, and Shabbos. Uh, so, but the, but the point is that um, you, that our understanding is enriched. Okay. Uh, so that's, that's, that's the main benefit over here. Our understanding is reached. Um, I mean, I guess also theoretically you could come out with that b'shasat chak, you could, you could rely on certain things, right, that you wouldn't know about otherwise, right, once a, a certain perspective has been, even if it's a dissenting opinion, or maybe the other way around, like the, like the Mesut Sharm says, that uh, a real chassid in precious, right, that uh, someone who is striving for Hasidus will stay away from doing something even if the mainstream halakha is that it's permissible but there is a but there is a dissenting opinion right so he'll try to stay away from that as well right so it's a much more rich understanding of the Ratzon Hashem in the world okay so too in the in, 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 in the Gersos, right? In the Gemara. The Gemara was not guarded. The, 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 the version, the actual text, the actual wording of the Gemara was not guarded with the same precision that was the Sefer Torah. I mean, first of all, just practically, it's impossible to guard in the same way, right? Sefer Torah is, each Sefer Torah, you know, is uh, $50,000, $70,000, right? Like, yeah. So if sits there with tremendous intensity and purity and writing every letter, letters can't touch one to the other, etc. If you were to try to write books like that, it would, it would be completely prohibitive, right? So, um, but, but also, if the point is, it's not necessary. Because, the, because Sfarim are modes of communicating thoughts. Right. So as long as the thought is communicated successfully, the language is not the ikr, right? Unlike in Torah Shabbat Okay. Uh, now, obviously, it's important to try to write things over well because you might pervert the thought as well. But guess what? There's an incredible, and this is the point I want to get to. There, there is an incredible system of preventing that from happening. A breakdown in communication. And that, all we can, all our generation, because we lack um, in the depth of thought, 
So we need a, a good marshal for it. So Hashem sent us a good marshal. Zachariah, what marshal did Hashem send us? Bitcoin. Or, or just in more general term? What? Uh, more general than that? Blockchain. Blockchain technology, right? Okay, so Charlie, you're familiar with blockchain at all? Uh, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit, okay. So let me explain it to you. Okay? The, the way it works is that there are many players, right? And they all know the... You know, this is exactly the opposite, like you know, the standard thing where somebody tries to bash the transmission of the Torah. So you see this ridiculous analogy of the broken telephone game where like you all sit around in a circle and you whisper something to the person sitting next to you to their ear, right? And then by the time it comes back to you, it's like a totally different statement, right? Why is that game funny? Because first of all, it's only one person to one person. So anybody that changes it, no one will ever know. And second of all, you're whispering, right? Which is difficult to pick up on, right? Whereas a blockchain says, no, no, no. You say it to five people simultaneously, okay? Now, each one of those people says it to another five people. Not that it's becoming 25 now, let's just say another five. But, but different ones speak with different ones. And they all speak with one another. And they speak with the previous generation, right? And now they all speak to the next one as well, right? So if you ever have a, something coming out where your peer or even your Rebbe or certainly your Talmud that says something that you heard from another direction that does not, I mean, the point is that that statement must be corroborated by a significant percentage of the players, right? That's what we called proof of one of those two, right? You, you, mean you need a, a significant I don't know, majority or at least a significant minority of participants to approve of this to transmit forward. And if, and if, and if, and if that doesn't happen, then it dies on the spot. Right? There's actually a psychological study done on the validity of oral transmission where they did the telephone game, but instead they let people have two, two generations access so you could speak to the person before. But then they also did another version where they incentivized it. Mm -hmm. They said if you get it correct, there's a reward for you. Perfect. And they were able to make gigantic sums of information. For sure. And again, that, what they did is that's like a mini blockchain. But the moment you do allow two generations, right, so there's like a little bit of a check. So the moment it becomes, instead of just one straight line, becomes, let's say, three or whatever it is, it becomes impossible to hack. Yeah? So that's what we have. Okay? So now, um, so wait, so then how does a Gearsa mistake ever creep in? Kasha, Kasha on the blockchain, on the, on the blockchain right? So what must happen? So actually it happens sometimes. It happens sometimes where there's like uh, a significant disconnect between some of the, on a certain transaction. Sometimes they branch off. Right. When everyone agrees to, to this and they don't... A lot of people agree to this and a lot of people agree to that. So there's a branching, right? So uh, what, what, does that, what does that mean for us over here? What it means is that if... If uh, a girsa, quote-unquote, mistake happens, but it makes perfect sense. Which means, which means the Talmidim, this is how the Talmidim understood the Rebbe. And, there, and, and, and it picks up enough momentum, enough steam, there's enough uh, Talmidim Chachamim who process it and approve it, that it continues to the next generation the next generation and then you've got someone like Rashi says well I have this girsa and I have this girsa right and you see the Rishonim even are constantly downing in the girsos and if a girsa doesn't make sense it's going to get chopped down it's going to get you know chopped into little pieces right so the fact that a girsa made it to the Rishonim means it made it all the way from the from the Talmudic period or whatever it happened, right? And it, it's already been a well-established girsa, 
which means it's gone through hundreds of thousands of blockchain users, which to be a blockchain user, you have to be a main, a gadol b'torah, you have to be a great person, right? Any Gemara that will be printed, that will be brought, were all being learned in the in the Bati Midrashim, were, were being communicated, uh, passages were being quoted, right? in Chuvas, etc. And the people are learning this. So what it means is that a Girsa, um, what's it called, B- bifurcation, or what did you call it, tree branch, branching, Girsa branching, means that there are two legitimate uh, perspectives on how to view the situation. And so just because you identify that all oh, these people are going with this gear, so these people are going with that gear, so shkoyach. <laughs> so what? Your job is your job is to explain to me what is the what is the svara behind this gear, sir, and what is the svara behind that gear, sir? What made 40% of Chochmei Yisrael think this makes sense or what made 60% think this thing makes sense? Can I just clarify a possible misconception that I might have? Sure. Um, when I imagine a big Midrash, I imagine like a big Yeshiva, like the mirror or something, where everyone's learning in one big room. But it seems to me that in Eastern Europe, in the year 900, or whatever, 700, there were like two guys in, with a kettle and like a little hut. hut. So, so who was learning Torah? Those two guys with a kettle and a hut. I mean, that, that's For the whole city? That's, that's all that you had? Everyone else was like, there weren't trying to survive. Pro- there weren't uh-huh. like, uh, is that, And therefore, so maybe the, it, would get, it would ruin the whole so, blockchain so, thing, and blockchain only uh-huh. applies to now, okay. is what I imagine. I hear, I mean, if it narrowed down like this, then it could be true. But I'll tell you this, the Ramchal writes, from 250 years ago, that he came to the city of Frankfurt. And just the city of Frankfurt alone, there were two, maybe 300 Talmidei Chachamim sitting and learning. Now, when the Ramchal says Talmidei Chachamim, Halavai, that in the entire Yeshiva's Mir with 5,000 Talmidim, we have two to 300 Talmidei Chachamim. Okay? So, uh, they, they, that's that's quite a statement, right? And uh, uh, there are plenty of people learning. Better. Plenty of people learning all the time. The Jews of the Jewish people have made this a very top priority ever since we received the Torah at Har Sinai. Okay, so if someone wanted to make that claim, but we look we look at the, I mean, we have um, these. Um, we can look at the dates of, you know, when we have. Right, which period do you have these massive lacks? Right, I mean, you start, you start from from the Rishonim, right, and you just work your way through every generation of these massive. You know, who the the, the Rosh had a, had the yeshiva and and the, the Marami Rudenberg and all these Talmidim and 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 the, and the Mordechai and the, the, I mean every year we know we know what the yeshivas were we know where they were we know they have a, they have a, in these biographies even they, mo, most of the Rishonim that you've heard of were Rosh yeshivas. So we we confirm that there are players in the blockchain. Right. Okay. Good. Um, yes. Yeah, so you just caused Jeff to storm out. Um, just joking. Okay. So, um, all right. Adkan Girsos. Okay. Now I want to talk about identified. I think it's all of them, and I might be missing some. Um, six different types of what we would call commentators. Right, and the the reason why it's important to identify them is because uh, they are all to be treated differently. I, I don't mean as far as what time period they're in. I mean as far as what the stated objective of the commentator is coming to do. Okay, so the one that perhaps we're most co- familiar with is who's your best friend? Rashi. Rashi, exactly. <laughs> Kevin was about to. Kevin was about to. <laughs> 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 um, I know who your best friend is. Friends, I should say. 
Okay. I was, was going to say Jerry. Gary and Rush. Jerry in a boot. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry in a boat? A boot. Okay. So, okay, so Rashi, right? So Rashi is a Parshan. Right? So he is being Mefarish. We're talking about the Gemara right now, okay? Uh, civil conversations that can be had about all this form. So Rashi is a Mefarish. Mefarish means he has taken it upon himself as a job. There's other Mefarshim as well. The Rashbam is a Mefarish. The Ran is certain Mesechites. But a Mefarish has taken, has taken upon himself the task of helping you to learn the Gemara. Okay? Which means that he will, first of all, firstly, it means that he will provide you with everything you need to know. If, unless you could be assumed to figure it out yourself, I mean, you know, not, not, uh, but he's going to walk you through it. And therefore, we assume there are no omissions. Right? So, if a particular point is not addressed, it means it doesn't need to be addressed. And it can be, you, because you can figure it out, for example, from the other things that he told you, from what the Gemara said, etc. You'll see him in the contrast that with Hidushim. Okay? So, if Rashi doesn't comment on something, that is also a type of a comment. Okay? Because he is taking upon his job to, to, to walk you through the entire thing. Number two, sometimes you know, there's different people on different levels, right, of learning. So Rashi might need to explain certain things that might seem simple, but it's still necessary to be explained. Right? Whether it be maybe a, a rare word or, or, or to speak something out that... Uh, you know, that needs to be addressed, but, but, but it's not necessarily a chiddush. Okay, he's not coming to drop bombs. Right? He's coming to walk you through the Gemara. Now, to contrast that with chiddushim. And people make this mistake a lot, because what happens? You learn Gemara Rashi, right? And then you, you pick up a chiddush Rashba, right? What's the first thing you reach for? The chiddush Rashba, right? So... Now, but they're called Chidushim for a reason. Right? Chidushim are certain original thoughts, certain original points that he wanted to bring out, you know, that he wanted to interpret a piece of the Gemara in a particular way. Okay? But he's not a Parshan. He's not coming to be Mefarish the Gemara for you. He's coming to say a particular point. And therefore, he may very well not address some other parts earlier in the sugi or later, and, 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 and that's that's not uh, he doesn't need to address every point. Okay, Tosas also are like that. Tosas are not coming to be mafarish the Gemara, right? In fact, sometimes they may even not attack Rashi uh, when when they disagree with him if if. You, you, we know from somewhere else that they would disagree with him. I mean, they don't necessarily always disagree with him. You know, they do disagree. Two days ago, they already commented that, you know, that whatever it is, that, um, that this is not a malacha, right? Uh, so, Rashi says it again. They don't have to jump on him every time, right? Rashi says, Rashi's always commenting on the Gemara, right? It's a running commentary, right? The those are coming to say something yeah that's, uh, so that's um, now a rule the other way is also very rarely very very rarely do they ever say the same thing that Rashi said I mean, if they're commenting uh, if, if Rashi already said it they wouldn't just come and say the same thing yeah if they do it's like it's a, it's a little bit of a kasha because they had the they had the Pirusha countries, and you see the, the, the standard protocol is you bring the more you say Rashi is like this I disagree for the following reason or whatever it is right 
So, uh, so, so for them to just repeat Rashi is, is redundant. Part of the guiding is Rashi is also having to interpret the Gemara. Right? Maybe he may be doing some. When you're guiding someone through something, there's a variety of things you do. Some things you might have to translate some words for him. Right? You might have to explain the situation, the reality, or whatever it is that the Gemara is Bekatsar. You might have to bring some other Gemara. The Gemara makes a quick reference to something, right? So Rashi might bring that and explain to you what it's referring to. But also part of that is he's also interpreting the Gemara, he's explaining what the Gemara is saying, what the case is, what the, what the, what the Chiddush is, what the Din is, etc., right? So it also might disagree with him on that, right? Or the, or the Rajba or the Ritva or, or whoever else. Okay. So how do we trust against confirmation bias? Like they had a point to make and they found where to make it versus they... How do, you, how do you argue against? How do you argue against it? Um, anybody that learns the Rishonim, it's just you, you see how great their their, their thinking was, how self reflective they were, how you know. If somebody would do that, then he would get again chopped to pieces by his peers, right? It's like a, it was, it's a very very rigorous. Uh, Thing that was all, what we have is the Trumas Shiba Trumas is from the Gdolim, from the greatest, greatest Torah scholars of like from that from from that generation, and uh, you know that like was uh, tested by 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 the others. And we ended up with 15 names. The truth is, there's more than that. Is there's 50 Rishonim, right? But it's still from a period of um, about 500 years across the entire Jewish world, you're still talking about, you know, one or two per generation, right? So these are, these are the, the cream of the crop. Okay. The category that we're putting Rashi in, Rashi said that's what he's doing, or later generations were able to go back and track and see that Rashi... No, no, Rashi is Rashi wrote as a kuntras, as an accompaniment to the Gemara. That was his title for his work. Yeah. No. No. Wrote himself. That would be plagiarism. Okay. Next. So yes, yeah, so I'm just pointing out that whereas for Rashi or the or Rajbam or someone, an omission is a statement. He's saying this does not need interpretation. For the Tosos or the Rajba, Chidusha Rajba, Chidusha Ritva, or Chidusha Ramban, whatever it is, to leave something out means that just they didn't have anything to say about it because they they weren't looking to comment. Let somebody else explain it. I don't have anything original. To say that I basically Chidushim are like a, he gave he wanted to give a, a shear in the base midrash right so this is, I've worked on it here's an original thought that I'm presenting it's like a dissertation Chidushim whereas uh, Rashi is a running commentary okay and also uh, another difference and this is going to be a difference in Chidushim and Chuvas is the Chidushim are not necessarily lehalacha sometimes they'll even say you know. Even though I feel this way, but maybe we shouldn't, it shouldn't be followed the halacha, right? Or even if they don't say it, but you'll see, for example, in Chuvas, the Rajman Chidushim will say one thing, and the Rajman Chuvas will say something else. Right? Why? Because he felt that the halacha is, is to go this way. Even though in Chidushim, he, you know, there's one when you wear the Rosh Shiva hat, and one when you wear the Rav hat. Two different hats. Where did those, do we have time to talk about where those break off? What do you mean? Like, uh, I would expect that if, if we didn't even compare that to Rashi, 
But when you have a part, why wouldn't that have the basis of halacha built into it also? If it's all the encompassing of helping you walk through. Again, it certainly does. It certainly, it certainly, we, we, we use Rashi and we use Chidushim of the Rishonim all the time to pass in halacha. Just saying that it doesn't have the same weight as a tshuva, because in tshuvas, the Rishonim are saying, are instructing that this is what should be done in halacha. So if you ever have a conflict between tshuvas, and Chidushim, you go with Chuvus, first of all. Second of all, <coughs> between one region in Chuvus versus another region in, you know, let's say Rashi be Mefarish, they get more, but you have a Chuvus of the Rashba, so then Lahalacha, you, you, you be inclined to go with the Chuvus. Because Chuvus are Halacha Lamais. Because that, that was the focus, they're cutting away all the other. It, it's uh, to, in, in Psak, first of all, to Pask, and you have to be very confident about what you're saying. To interpret, you don't have to be as confident. To propose a chiddush, you don't have to be as confident. To pass, they don't have to be as. When they're giving over, that that's not like a same. That's a confidence, right? Versus in versus in chuvas, you're saying that you're declaring this is you feel confident enough in order the people to act on this. And then the other thing is that there's a siyata deshmaya that comes with with uh, with a psak. A person is passing a halacha lemaisa, such a person, a, 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 a gadol shall be Israel, passing a halacha lemaisa. If that shoe is coming up, people are going to act on it, etc. There's a siyata deshmai that comes along with it. That's why Moshe Feinstein used to say that between the psakim of the Mishnah Burra and the psakim of the Orcha Shulchan, the psakim of the Orcha Shulchan carry more weight than the Mishnah Burra. Why? Because the Orcha Shulchan was a, was a rov, and this he was passing a halacha lemaisa. The Chavaz Chaim was a Rosh Hashiva. So his Sefer was more theoretical. So he's not going to carry as much weight. He didn't have as much Yadah Dishmaya in his Psakim as the Orch HaShulchan. For Moshe Feinstein. Okay? Fine. Um, also in Shuvas, again, the author might uh, say a compromise. Say, like, listen, this is what I think, but on the other hand, there's these other opinions out there. It's more pragmatic. As opposed to Chedushim, it's more... You know, in the ivory tower, sitting in the ivory tower, uh, um, saying what one believes, but uh, not necessarily engaging with uh, with the realities of the world as much. Um, okay, chiburim. So chiburim, that would be like a um, obviously, you know, the Rambam is the, maybe one of the most famous, but there's many other chiburim, right, where someone. He, he didn't write Chidushim is when I take a piece of Gemara I'm explaining to you how to learn the Gemara right Chiburim is where, where, where we use the Rambam as an example where he um, compiled a compilation of Halachas right so unlike in Chuvas where you explain your reasoning you bring up the issue and you bring proofs etc in Chiburim it's more uh, just saying the the bottom line, right? So there, the thing to look for is the seder, the organization, right? Like the Magid says about the Rambam, Gadol Siduro Mihiburo. The organization of the Rambam is greater than the content of the Rambam. Means that there's, there's more, I mean, obviously, to a certain extent, there's more to be gained from seeing where something is placed than even what it says. Because seeing where it's placed tells you a lot about what kind of a din is it. Yeah, is it is it placed in Hilchashabas or is it placed in uh, you know in Nizikin, right? So, uh, what what's the issue? That, that why can't you do this? Because you'd be you know damaging your body or because it's Shabbos or because it's Tircha or, or what, right? So, so depending on where he put it, the organization, what comes before, what comes after, etc., that can be very informative. Also, Chiburim are expected to be comprehensive. So anything that's omitted is also a statement. He wrote a comprehensive Sefer addressing all these halachas. Omitting it means that it doesn't, you know, it's not a halach. Um, oh. Oops. Um, I messed up on the outline over here. E and F are not forms of commentators. I thought it was six was a bit much. 
sorry about that. They, they are actually so it's supposed to be um, moved one space back, right? The what? Tab out. Tab out. Yes, exactly. That would be three and four. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so with all these commentaries, yeah. A note about commentaries. Only learn them once you've learned the Gemara very well. Yeah, because if you don't know the Gemara very well, you'll probably not be able to appreciate even what he's coming to do, the Chiddush of what Rashi is saying. So if, what? Even Rashi. You miss the Chiddush of Rashi. People who say, I want to figure it out myself instead of looking at Rashi, that's real? That's crazy? It depends on what you mean by figure out. You want to figure it out? You're not going to figure it out. But you certainly want to get a good look at the Gemara because once Rashi talks, that's it. You're, you're biased. You're locked in. Right? Then you've got the confirmation bias. You've got a confirmation bias problem. You know that? Yeah. You also. Yeah. So so once once we hear Rashi tell it to us, then we go back and we're like, oh yeah, yeah, it's right there, right? But if you first learn the Gemara yourself, where you where you see what is being said, what's not being said, etc., and then you go to the Rashi, like, oh, wow, look at that, Rashi learned the Gemara like this. That's interesting. It's a good question. So that's always a trade off, right? If you were to, like Sahari was saying, no, I want to figure out myself. Like, what you? I spent the whole seder on this one line, right? Like, okay, so obviously that would not be a good use of time. On the other hand, some people they just learn more and they just keep two fingers. There is such a school of thought, and there are such people that they say, no, you learn the Gemara with two fingers on the page, one in the Gemara, one in Rashi. So that is. Uh, does not appear to be what the uh, Revistic uh, Campan, um, ah? Campanton, I think. We'll double check the spelling exactly, but uh, uh, that's not what he says to do. That's not what um, other Gdolim have instructed. And that's not what makes sense. What makes sense is you should get a feel for what the Gemara because if you're doing with two fingers on the page if you're doing the words of the Gemara and right away the Rashi you're not letting yourself process you're, you're going to miss when Rashi is saying something that there's another way to learn and Rashi is closing a door on you right so then by the time you make it to the other Shodham with that confirmation bias issue you're dead in the water right because what happens you're going to just read the Rashi right into everybody else also right so, um, whereas if you first had a look at the Gemara, you saw different ways to go, and then you saw, oh, Rashi went one way, okay, so then when you're looking at the Rishonim, you're keeping an eye out for the other way as well. Okay, aspect of Tvuna. Tvuna is a tricky thing, especially considering that we are lazy, right? But there's one more stage to do after you've learned the Gemara, and you've learned the Rishon, whether it be the Rashi, Tosfos, Rajba, whoever you want. There's another job to do, which is you have to. You are now obligated, duty bound, to go back and read the Gemara and see how well it does or doesn't work with the new understanding that you've been given. Right? So you could go through a Tosfos and be like, "Oh, that's awesome! Oh, I answered all the questions. It's really great." But then you go back and you read the Gemara, like, "Ooh." It's kind of hard to read it into the words of the Gemara, right? Like, I mean, it doesn't sound like it's saying that, right? Dilma loichavin, right? What? Dilma. Right? So, uh, so then, then you can get a much better feel for, okay, so, you know, here's what the region is saying, but there's a price to pay, right? The words of the Gemara... Here, these words work well. This is really gishmak here. It's a little bit difficult, right? So that is called tvuna, when you can put it back in, when you can see where it came, how it came out of the text, how it works with the original text. Um, 
Okay, as far as Psak, okay, so I don't know how many of you guys are going to be Paskaling soon, but even if you're not Paskaling, you'll see the Rishonim Paskin, right? And it's important to understand how the Rishonim are Paskaling. Okay, so in Psak, first of all, we have weights and balances, which means it's a complicated algorithm. Right for determining, it's not just single thing. Very rarely do we have things in the Gemara where there's like a cold and fast rule. Right, a lot of things are preferences or inclinations, but uh, the the psak will be the result of of the culmination of them. Um, I just threw down it couple but then I realized that there was going to be way too many just two examples I guess would be was the resolution elegant or forced if it's elegant if it's very resolves everything works very nicely then uh, the answer is going to be much more acceptable if it's a much more of a force um, then okay, then it could be deemed as as a shinui dehuka, as a forced answer, and will you know will be inclined to not accept it. Um, okay, other rules are obviously depends who's talking, right? We have principles. The Gemara itself gives us principles of if it's this rabbi against that rabbi, we'll usually go like him, except in these cases or whatever it is, right? So we have different um, relative weights, right? Um, so those obviously we have to be told either in the Gemara itself or we have certain traditions from Gaonim um, about such matters. Um, the organization of the Gemara itself, meaning where did the Gemara bring it, how did the Gemara bring it, what words did it use, those are all clues that can be uh, used to figure out what the halacha should be like. Um, and I guess the final thing is I was asked to just talk for a few minutes about how to mark up your Gemara so a uh, very practical thing just sharing my own experience so um, just like the Gemara treats um, authoritative statements as different meanings statements from a different um, area right these are proof texts there's proof text there's the discussion right so the Gemara is the discussion that's happening in the base midrash and there's a proof text that's brought right not another conversation which could be challenged or whatever but a proof text so you, which means a Tanoic source right or a Pasuk so those you want to set aside because those are going to act as anchors in the Gemara. Right? Those, are, those are very weighty. Right? Those are going to be constantly referencing back to the language. What language was used? Did it say, did it say mitzvah? Did it not say mitzvah? Right? What you know, Different nuances in the, uh, in the Mishnah, in the, in the, in the, in the Baraisa, in the, in the Pasuk, whatever it is. Right? So, so those you want to mark off like, a, like, you know, with a, with a bracket and something maybe along the side, like a line or something along the side of the column, to, that, that you should right away be able to identify, meaning like almost you want to stand out as an anchor in the Gemara. This is something that other things are going to be revolving around. The conversation is fluid. It's moving around this, like, um, island of strength, which is, which is this authoritative statement. Uh, the other thing is you want to identify... Um, when a new Memra happens, right? That would be like a new speaker comes on the scene, a new Memra opens up a discussion, right? So you, so that would be like a way to break down the Gemara, so you don't have like these endless thing. But you see that this is a new, this is a new Memra, this is a new topic over here. So I would, I would box his name. Put a box. You know, a Memra doesn't always start with a person's name. Guys, someone, someone must have said it. 
Say maybe just the Gemara, the Stam Gemara says it. Then, uh, you, then you could box the introductory word, ha, you know, or whatever, right? Uh, it's, it's usually some sort of a cue that we're being introduced to a new, to, to a memra, right? And then the other thing is you want to underline key ideas, something that you want to draw your attention to, something, you know, conclusions, psalkim, um, you know, something like that, right? Uh, we do look at Chizda, right? So, okay, boom, like that's, you know, I know, I know where I'm landing, right? So that's like a, you uh, uh, saw the conclusion that we can, that we can, uh, we can reference back to something that we can take away, etc. Okay, that is, um, that's what I had to say. Uh, yeah, or I mean, after the sugar is over, yeah, the yeah, 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 the yeah, 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 is there an obligation for us to split our manpower to to absorb different aspects of text just because it's too much to master per person per lifetime? Based on your strengths. Hmm. Based on your strengths and what you enjoy. I don't know. I don't know if there's an. Uh, be, uh, and, and, and other people are going to enjoy those things. Yeah, yeah. You don't. You don't have to worry about it. Hashem. Uh, one thing we have to remember is that the transmission of the Torah. There's, a, you know, like in your analogy with a vested interest, right? With a study, Hashem has a vested interest in the transmission of the Torah, so you don't have to worry about it. You just worry about your transmission. Klausel have carried the Torah so far through, through the through everything that's been. It's uh, it's not it's not going anywhere. Okay.